hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. So this is a new show, and my listeners don't know that much about me yet. I have mentioned Sasquatch, uh, but my listeners don't know just how near and dear Sasquatch is to me. I had my own encounter uh, a number of years ago. It was pretty intense. My guest today is Kip, and he has had some amazing Sasquatch experiences. I'm looking forward to talking to him because this is a big deal. Uh, Kip, welcome to Type 471. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be talking to you tonight. So let's let's start at the beginning. You've had more than one Sasquatch encounter, and I want to hear about all of it from the very beginning. Can we do that? Okay. Yeah. Cool. I was doing a... In 2016, I was doing a, a long-distance pedal from Tulsa, Oklahoma to York, Nebraska. I'm a sous chef, so my next uh, posting was in Nebraska. And my bucket list was to do a long distance pedal. So I was given 20 days, did it in eight, but I'd stopped off in uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I looked to the right when I was pedaling it's about three o'clock in the morning, cars were getting too close and uh, I needed to get off the road. I was getting tired. And I look over to the right down lower and there was a machine shop or a mechanic shop. And across from that was an old wooden box car without the wheels they used for storage. And behind that was some, uh, sand pits or ponds they had used to build a bridge. So I went behind that uh, box car and set my tent up, and I was sitting there having a smoke, and I had my earbuds in, and uh, I got hit by this god-awful stench. It was like rotten meat and onions and sulfur and garbage. That's I can explain it. You know, in my brain, registered skunk. Like I told you the first time, I don't know if you've ever been up next to a, a elephant, but when they walk, they make the ground tremble. Right. And the next thing I know, I'm feeling these footsteps. Now I, I'm an outdoorsman. I know what a quadruped versus a bipedal looks, feels, sounds like, uh, tracks, you know. And uh, these footsteps are going by the tent, and it tripped over the corner of my tent and flipped my bike on top of me. And uh, I wasn't going to duck my head out there, you know. Like I told you, all I had was a hatchet in the pocket in my the next morning I got up and, you know, the weeds are about hip high and you could, you could see the footsteps going towards the pond. So I went and looked at them and I realized that they were like five and a half, six feet stride. And that's, you know, that's when I started scratching my head because as far as I was concerned, Bigfoot was a bunch of hooey, you know, it was just bullshit. I know the feeling. That's, that's what I thought before I had my encounter. Uh, it's not something that, I had entertained as real, and I, I think you were in the same position. Yeah. So I started doing some research, you know, got on Google once I got home, and I found that uh, there's been sightings and encounters from eastern Oklahoma all the way down to the, the coast. I actually had come across a story about 
a Cree or Creek Indian tribe that French trappers had come through and they had told them that hairy men were stealing their women and children. Oh. And when the trappers had come back through, the entire tribe, or they had killed one. They had killed one. And the and I had tried to find that story since then, and I, I can't find it, but I'm sure somebody out there might know. And uh, when the French trappers came back through, the entire tribe was massacred, bodies torn in half, thrown in the tops of trees. You know, and they didn't have the technology. They had to have catapults to toss a body up that high. What bodies were tossed up in trees? The, na- the, the, the native tribe, the, the, the Indians. Gotcha. Okay, just wanted to make sure I understood that. Tri- the entire tribe... Arms and legs pulled off, bodies torn in half, bodies, parts of bodies thrown in trees on the tops of trees. Okay. You know, and uh, that's, that's documented somewhere. I read it. So, of course, nobody believed me. And uh, then I, I moved out out here to Oregon, and uh, I had gone camping with, with this gal. Uh, I, was look outside, I was looking for a place outside Reedsport on the Umpqua River that I had camped at in the 80s, but I couldn't find it. So this I flagged down this guy that was fishing and I asked him if he knew a place to go camp. And he said, yeah, I just hit up that road. It's by the, by Loon Lake. Uh, I went up there and I'm not going to say exactly where. And uh, we found a spot on, on, a, on a mountain road and we just camped beside side of the road. And as I'm setting up the camp, I realized that there was no life, no, no rabbits, no squirrels, no bird song. There wasn't even bugs. And I made mention of it to the girl, you know, and, and we went about our day and everything. And that, that night, she was laying beside me, and we were tent camping that night, so we were on the ground. And when I had collected sticks and kindling and stuff for fire, I had picked up all the kindling and everything that was around there. So I know how clean it was. And I was still awake because she was snoring. <laughs> I could hear, And I, the tent was facing the mountain. It was probably, oh... 100 feet to the top of the mountain. And uh, I could hear from, from the right, let's say, facing face 12 o'clock, from 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock coming down the mountain, breaking sticks, making noise. But what concerned me was what was creeping up on me behind the tent. It was, it was snapping little twigs that was underneath the grass. At the point that this was about, oh, two feet away from my head, uh, and and there was a there was a the rainfly there was a spot where I could have just sat up and looked through it, but for some reason I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't sit up and look I, I wasn't afraid but I couldn't move. You were unable to physically move your body. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, why don't you look? Why don't you look? But I was I was so engrossed in with this snap these snapping of these little twigs underneath the grass, so I knew it was very close to me. Right then, the girl sits up. Oh, there, there was noise uh, from they were messing with utensils on the camp table. Okay. And remember, there were no animals. You know, one could say it was a squirrel or something, but there were no animals. There was no movement, no life there. Just kind of eerily dead and quiet. Yes, and that's now in, in hindsight, uh, that's a very documented thing. Mm-hmm. It is uh, reported. But anyway, so right then, the girl sits up and goes, "What was that?" And there was no running sound. There was no bug out, nothing. It just went dead silent. So we came out of the tent, nothing there, nothing there. So we came back into the tent, was sitting there probably 20 minutes later, and uh, suddenly you hear this 20-foot 20 20 owl going, 
for probably eight, ten seconds, and then it lifted up and in pitch to a really high pitch. So it probably lasted 10, 12 seconds. Oh, wow. I mean, you could feel it vibrate in your, vibrate in your rib cage. It was, it was no barn owl. I know what a barn owl sounds like. No. You know, I actually had a witness in, but I parted ways from that gal. She turned out to be a little too weird. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I wish, I really wish I'd have at least kept her number so I could have her as a witness. A lot of times, you know, you think in hindsight, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. And we, you know, then I would know more about what happened or be able to compare notes or something. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of that. I was just glad to be rid of her. Yeah. <laughs> <To be honest. laughs> I hear you. And my next encounter was I lived uh, outside Shady Cove, Oregon, uh, on a farm. I was their caretaker for their animals in exchange for my rent while I filed for disability. And uh, June, uh, late morning, and I was sitting outside under my canopy outside my motorhome, and I was chatting with my cousin in Nebraska, and I was just staring off into space. And, you know, like I told you, how, when you, the superhero Flash, when he runs, there's that tracer behind him, that blur. Yes. And that's what caught my, that's what caught my attention from about 150 yards away. And I look up, and I see this, this tracer going, and he slows down and stops and walks behind a tree. And I was like, whoa, you know what I'm telling my, my cousin about this? And uh, while I'm telling him, three to five minutes later, you could see him walking back just inside the tree line. It's as casual as it could be. And it, it felt like he intended for me to see him. Like, that's what it was meant for. I, I don't know how to explain it any more than that. Though, does this include the whole time, like even while he was running so fast that you saw this tracer behind him? No, that that was the whole tracer thing probably lasted a second and a half. Uh-huh. It was that fast. Mm-hmm. You know, stories that I've read and stuff, you know, they, I've heard how fast they are, but nothing prepared me to, that they were that fast. How much ground I mean, do you think he covered in that period of time? Uh, in a second, uh, let's just say, yeah, a second. Now, let's just say, let's be generous and say, a second and a half, I'd say 200 feet. That's pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never asked myself that question. No. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's pretty fast. But the way y'all casually just walk inside the, just that, inside the tree lane, if I was to guess, I'd say three or four feet inside the tree lane. And it just felt in my gut that that whole thing was meant for me to see him. I was going to ask you, uh, what did this individual look like? Large, dark black, dark, dark brownish black, conish head. That's that's about all I can tell you. Okay. I mean, it happened so fast. It happened so fast, and he walked behind that tree, and then when he reappeared, he was inside the tree line. Do you have any impression of his face at all? No. Okay. No, I do not. I wish I had. Um, wouldn't that be cool? It's a cool story to tell. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it it feels like, and we t- we discussed this, it feels like since that first encounter, that once they know that you know about them, they go out of their way to make themselves known. Yeah. So uh, on to the fourth encounter, uh, COVID had just hit last, uh, last spring, and... Uh, Everybody was freaking out, so I said, screw this. I went and bought a generator and some water barrels, and I loaded up my motorhome and went up way behind uh, 
that lake I told you about. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's probably 15, 20 miles behind that lake. And I was the only one on the mountain. I stayed there for five and a half months. And uh, I, uh, I like to paint rocks and leave rocks for people to find on trails and stuff. So I found this rock that was shaped like a Sasquatch head, Kendo Point. I sent you a picture of it. Yeah. And I painted it to look like a Sasquatch. It even had a little protrusion for a nose. And uh, I let that sit on that TV tray that I painted on for a couple weeks. And that's when things started happening after that. And, you know, in the morning, and when I started figuring out something was going on, uh, one of the times I had come back for groceries and stuff, I looked up on my phone all the native names for Sasquatch. So I had a list of it in my phone that I locked in. So every morning I would come out and I would say good morning, you know, to the forest people. When I came there, I introduced, because I, ha I have my little kitty and he's my, my camping buddy, hiking buddy. And I introduced him and I said, please be kind to my kitty. And uh, thank you for allowing us in your home. And, uh, and there were wood knocks from 50 feet away. You know, I'd be inside my motorhome. But, you know, I got good hearing. I can, I know how far away I, I was hearing it from. Uh, let's see. They would leave gifts for me. They would, when I would hike a trail, I always followed my footsteps. And when I, I would come back and there would be, like one time there was a, a blue jay feather crossed in an X with a bluish raven feather over my footprints. Wow. Um, That's pretty cool. They, they left a green rock on my step in the morning. And then another time there's this red rock. Now, I had five and a half months to live on that mountain. I explored that thing in the bush. I knew that entire mountain. I was the only one on it. That's plenty of time. That's that's lots of alone time you had with the Sasquatch up there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I looked for green rocks. I could find no green rocks. And they left this red rock. It's a really smooth rock. It's got this iridescent white that's, that goes through it. And it looks like Maybe it was used for arrowheads at one time, or maybe it was supposed to be an, an axe head or something. I don't know. But that was left on my step. Another time, there was a perfectly white bleached bone left on my step. Just to back up for a second, you they they left for you this rock that looked like it had been worked before. Yes. I don't know if—I if, don't think they used tools, but it doesn't mean that they didn't find it from past natives. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It might, have, it might have just been a rock, for all I know. Right, right. And if it had been worked, it could be a rock that they found recently that had been worked. But it, it, it's also occurring to me that, you know, what if they passed down heirlooms to one another? Uh, like, maybe this was, maybe oh. they maybe they had found this a long time ago, and they were they, they knew that it was the work of humans, and they passed it down through generations. I mean, things like this, I mean, they sound incredible, but they're becoming more and more plausible. And you also mentioned this well, uh, this other rock that was not native to the specific area you were in, and I find that very interesting because yeah. it, it sounds to me like it's neither, a, neither rocks. Right, right. And it, it sounds to me like a form of communication, like they're telling you where they go, you know, like they're telling you this is, this is where we've been and, and um, you know, this is where you can find us. It's like a little clue, you know. It's like an invitation almost. Yeah, and... Uh... There was another time I had, I had hiked up to the top of the mountain, hot rod, my kitty was with me, and I packed us for lunch, you know, and there's these boulders that we'd sit on, and we'd, we'd hang out while I'd have, I'd have snack while he'd 
did his thing. I had gone up there and I had gotten the lunch stuff and he decided he wanted to go back home. So before I could get everything packed up, he was gone. So I'm thinking, oh man. So I hauled ass down the fire road and, and nope, wasn't there. And so then I run back up to the top of the mountain. It's about a half hour hike back to the top. And I'm now I'm getting frantic because I can't find my, my cat. So as it, when I got back to that, I turned around at the top of the mountain. I see these vultures circling. And then I was pissed. So I ran in there and I couldn't find them. I said, all right. And then I went and I went back down to my motorhome. I didn't have a firearm, but I had, I'm, I'm a sous chef. I have some very sharp knives that are in, in uh, sheaves. And uh, I belted up both on one side and I, I was angry. I, I said to the force, I said, you send that son of a bitch out to me. I know I'm going to lose, but he's going to know who's, who I am. Bring him out. And then I kind of started feeling guilty. And I said, if it wasn't you, leave me a feather up on the road. Because there was, there was one road going to the top of the mountain, and there was a side road going down the side of the mountain, and that's the one I was on. Well, I had turned around, and uh, 30 feet back up the trail on my footprints was a bright orange feather sitting right on my footprint. And I get back to I get back to uh, the motorhome, and there's Hot Rod waiting for me. Your cat was safe and sound. Yeah, I'm relieved to hear that because every time you talk about your cat, it makes me think of my dog. Like the relationship you have with your cat is the same as I have with my dog, and I would that would just be terrifying to me. He's more like a dog than he is a cat. Yeah, it sounds like it. And cruise in the car. He's he's a pretty cool little dude. Before we continue, you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned some of the pictures you sent me. Uh, the the picture of the uh, Sasquatch head that you painted on a rock, and you sent me some other pictures as well. And I'm sure we'll get into that in uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, I want to. I, I've been meaning to ask you. I like to share the the pictures associated with my guests on my Instagram feed. So would, would you? Okay, great. So I just want to take a moment to remind our listeners uh, that they can look for type 471 podcast on Instagram and they can see the pictures that we're talking about. So Kip, go ahead with yeah, your, with your story. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a few, there's a few, there are in that area where I was, I lived, there were three different tree twists, about seven feet up from off the ground, three different ones. Yeah. And from what I understand, it's, it's young ones, showing their, uh, I don't know, acting out or showing their territory or whatever. I don't know. And then the scary thing that happened. So I was watering my plants and I was sitting there having a cigarette, probably seven o'clock in the morning. And I had just been, it was done. And I had just been sitting there enjoying the morning, quiet and alone. The wind's blowing at my back. And uh, the madrone trees were just losing their leaves. So there was a lot of leaves on the ground. And again, I know the sound of bipedal footsteps. And I hear a group coming up this canyon wall that comes up to the fire road. And I, I'm guessing, you know, when they're going through leaves, it's hard to tell, but I'm guessing three or four. And it's loud. So I stood up and I, I looked down because I'm up, I'm up above the fire road. Then it goes down the side of this canyon. I was like, what the hell is that? So I walked around in like a letter C about 10 feet over to get a closer look suddenly behind me apparently they had uh, to cut it maybe there was a fire at one time and they cut a fire line so there was a lot of downed heavy limbs and small limbs I mean and then it went into the tree line 
Sure. And uh, behind me, something started stomping again, bipedal, stomping through the, these heavy limbs. And I turned around. And said, I mean, there's only two things I'm scared of. And that's Dennis and my dad. <laughs> but this, this, all I could do. Next thing I know, I sat down and stared at the ground. Terror, sheer terror. And, you know, my mind is thinking, what the F? What's going on here? What are you doing? But I couldn't move. I was, I was frightened more than I've ever been frightened in my life. So there were two and occasions. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, there were two occasions where you were frozen associated with the Sasquatch. One of those occasions yes. you were afraid, the other you were not. Uh, do well, you... the, other, the other one I wasn't exactly frozen, but I couldn't seem to make myself sit up and, and look. Mm -hmm. Do you think these are two different things happening? No, no, no. I, I think it was, I don't really know about the first time, you know. I don't know why I didn't sit up on my elbows and just look out the crack of the rain fly. But for some reason I couldn't or didn't. But I believe they use infrasound. And I know what I experienced that morning. And I, I was just out of my wits, sheer terror. And then, and I don't remember hearing them move away or come up to the top. I don't remember any of that. All I could do was just look at the ground and shake. And then it lifted. Then I was pissed off at it because they did that to me. And I told them so. <laughs> it didn't happen again, but what do you mean by not cool? Yeah, no kidding. What do you mean by it lifted? Suddenly, I wasn't afraid anymore. Oh. Suddenly, that terror was gone. Interesting. It just disappeared. I mean, I, I hold, I hold a, I hold a black belt in karate. I've been a bouncer, and I used to provide personal security for a lot of famous bands. I don't get afraid. Pretty cool under pressure, but. That situation, I don't know what happened to me, but I rather oh, than shit my pants. Yeah, I can imagine. So let me see. Now that that's something that is also often reported that that inability to move or being frozen with fear. I think it's interesting that your fear just kind of immediately subsided. Like maybe it is in fact associated with infrasound or some other defense mechanism that they have that, to cause you to freeze in fear until they're safe or what have you. I'll give you a visual to imagine it. Imagine a volume line going up, right? Okay. And it kind of gradually went down. It didn't just go away immediately. It gradually went down. Okay. So there was nothing. And that's when I stood up and <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so these these sounds that you were hearing, did they just completely stop altogether? Uh, the stomping and yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't hear the walk. I didn't hear them go to the left, to the right, come up to the to the road. As far as walking through the leaves, I don't recollect any of that. When I sat down, that's when the stomping stopped. When I sat down, when I sat down and looked at stared at the ground between my legs, that's when the stomping through the limbs stopped. I mean, it, and it sounded like it was, I sounded, it sounded like it was like right there. If I'd have looked up, I did, I would have seen it, but I couldn't make myself look. That's interesting. I've recently had conversations about that with other researchers, and uh, 
it is thought really? that yes, it's thought that sitting on the ground, you know, much like one would interact with a gorilla, you know, uh, sitting on the ground and facing slightly away. Submission. Exactly. Like submission? Or at least not being quite so threatening. Mm. You know, it's like saying I'm. I'm well, not... I wasn't. I wasn't consciously aware that I sat down until I was there. I can remember walking to the to the rock and sitting on it, and then looking down and staring at the ground. But that's what happened. Does anything about the way you behaved surprise you? That I behaved? Yes. Yeah, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of death. And uh, there's been a lot of times I've, 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 I've wished it. I've had a pretty rough life. You know, so uh, having that kind of fear, I've never been that afraid in my life. It, I mean, it was so loud. They weren't just stomping on a limb. They were stomp- it was stomping on groups of limbs, piles of limbs, and it was, you know, uh, it, was, it was loud. Yeah. They were definitely trying to make an impression, it sounds like. Yeah. And, there, and then there, was, there were some comical things that would happen, too. Oh, I forgot to send, send you a picture. I had left to go get some fuel and supplies, and I came back, and there was a tree tipped over. Oh, there's two trees. I wonder if I can find that picture. There's one tree. When I first drove up there, it wasn't, it wasn't there, but it was bent. It, the tree was bent over to cross the road. It wasn't pulled from the ground, but it was bent. I do have a picture of the, the tree across the road. Cool. Yeah, I want to see that. But anyway, there was, it was just a, a, an old burnt tree. Maybe you know, And I always consider maybe the wind blew it over, but I don't recall any wind that day. But what do I know? Right. Uh, there were some comical things that would happen. They would mimic. As I said, I'm an outdoorsman. I know what everything sounds like in the forest. <laughs> they would poorly mimic birds, whether it's a hawk or a blue jay or a woodpecker. <laughs> and, and they, it would they mimic them badly, but it was very loud, way louder than, like, like I said before, a 20-foot barn owl. Right. There was a 20-foot woodpecker. But they, what was funny was you'd hear, you'd hear one bad mimic of a crow and... Oh, a, a hawk or a woodpecker would answer. I don't think they know that different species don't communicate. <laughs> uh, maybe they were young. I don't know. <laughs> and then they would they would do this woodpecker. And of course, it was way too loud for a woodpecker. It was so loud that it would it, the knocking would answer clear down to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> so, so this wasn't actually the call of a woodpecker that they were making. This was the knocking sound. No, well. Well, woodpeckers, for one, they ha- they actually have a bird song. They don't communicate by knocking. <laughs> right. Yeah. In fact, that old Woody the woodpecker cartoon that that little sound that he makes. Yeah. That I I actually realized uh, when I was living in Butte County, I realized that the woodpeckers there make that same sound. So that Woody the woodpecker yeah. call that is the actual sound that those <laughs> that that kind of woodpecker yeah. makes. You know when you're. And when, when you're there for five and a half months and you're in that forest, you don't realize it, but you're in tune with everything around you. Certainly. The sounds and, and you know, and, and you're sitting there and you'll hear this, one of these bad ones just pop up. <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot of times that, that I looked where I, it was close enough. I mean, I've got good hearing. And I looked and it should have been close enough where I would have seen the bird and I saw nothing. And then they would, they would answer from somewhere behind me in the forest. And there's another thing that we, we didn't, before I forget, we didn't uh, talk about. I think that they use crows as watchdogs. Because mm. when I would go hike 
and there was another there was another bird and I, I've never been able to name which kind of bird it is. It was a real bird, but they when you're when you're hiking and going somewhere, they give you away before you can get there always and you can feel it you can feel them you can feel what the the crows you mean no you can feel when they're around right the sasquatches you know, i told you about the third eye yes did i send you the picture of the third eye i did okay you did yeah and uh i wanted to post that one on instagram too if that's okay with you sure sure cool uh i'll i'll tell the story about the whole third eye thing uh i've taken my kids to a children's museum in in nebraska and there's these three panels with thousands of little red plastic pegs, and you can push in on it, it gives a reverse impression. Because my kids are deaf, I always did see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. So I did the three one, three of them with my hands over my eyes, my hands over my mouth, my hand over my mouth, and my hands over my ears in each panel. In the third panel, you can see my third eye, and when you zoom in on it, you can actually see. So when you post that, post one picture of it zoomed in. Uh, you can see the pegs actually going into my skull. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that was pretty insane looking. So you didn't like go to the other side of the pegs and push it in with your hand or something, did you? No, I swear on the lives of my children. No, I didn't. Even, I had that picture probably for three years before I noticed it. Wow. Yeah, you can see you the know? shadow in there and everything. Like you could see this crater in your head. Yeah, yeah. When I first saw it, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Sorry about the F word, F bomb there. No, that's cool. Uh, we we can drop F bombs on know. this show. So you you can say all the F bombs. Uh, all right, all right. My grandma had had the third eye. My son does to a to a degree. To give you an example, Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't know four hundred eighty thousand, five hundred thousand, whatever it is. But my their mother and I were split up. They lived on the other side of town. And because they're deaf, we texted each other. So one day I'm at home and I'm. I got a pork loin on the on the grill, and I decided to do a Hawaiian. So I, I opened it up and added the seasoning that I needed, and I was just laying pineapple down. My son sends me a text: "Dear Dad, I love pineapple." Oh. You know when he was when he was like nine months old, we had a big house, you know, and I would I'd call to his mom, "Hey, it's time to get bath going. I'll get his toys if you'll bring him." And he's already coming with these toys and shucking clothes. You know, and there's no way he could have heard heard me because he, they were deaf. Right. You know, and it was a it was a good sized home. You know, there's no way he could have red lips or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So he's got it. My daughter's got it to a degree, and so I sometimes wonder if that might be part. And I attract ghosts. In fact, I have one. I brought Sage home tonight. Uh, my ghost has been uh, knocking stuff off shelves and banging around. So I gotta. I'm just gonna have to have words with my spirit. I don't know if it's my mom just passed away last December. Oh, my condolences. Or it's either, when I bought this motorhome, if you lift the hood, it says, my name is Myrtle, please take care of her. She lasted me through seven grandkids and my late wife. And then in, in the back compartment, it says something about the same thing. So I don't know if, I don't know if it's that lady that inhabits this. It's been ever since I've, I've owned it. Sometimes I'll be sitting here on the bed, and, and I'll feel movement underneath my butt. It was a half-inch half inch slab of plywood under that and under that is my water tank <laughs> you know so there should be nothing moving underneath my butt yeah i've lived in a in an rv myself and uh, i i can't think of anything in an rv that would cause that to happen uh, yeah well my cats will sit and stare at that same spot that that makes a banging noise over in the corner and mm. they'll both back when i had to they would sit, they would sit there 
And that's how I know when it's back because the cat gives it away. But before I forget, uh, um, I, I think that they could be possibility that because of that, maybe they're in tune with me. That's why they made themselves known the first time. I don't know. I don't know. That's just, that's just a theory. I, I personally think they're interdimensional. Well, you've kind of implied that people with certain sensitivities may be more prone to having these kinds of experiences with Sasquatch. Would you say that's a fair thing to say? Well, I, I can only speak for myself. I don't know about other people. I mean, sure. You know, I mean, I, I've read so many stories, encounters, whatever that that uh, you don't they don't mention that part. You know, so I only know about myself. When, when you and I were speaking recently, you told me uh, something along the lines that it seems like they must have a hive mind, like you encountered this individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was it. Well, I mean, I, I came across one of Bartlesville, Oklahoma. You know, I saw, I saw, the, I saw its tracks. I smelled it. I felt, it's, felt it walking less than a foot away from this, right beside my tent. You know, and I was sitting on the ground right beside the wall. So I mean, it was close. And then suddenly it seemed like, well, of, of all the places I could camp, oh, I know what it was before I forget. All you got to do is Google uh, Sasquatch hanging their kills in trees. And there is a, there's a report that specifically states right there by, by Loon, Loon Lake. Really? Yeah. So it points out that behavior in that same spot. Yes. Sweet. Yep. It's easy to find. Google, Sasquatch, hanging kills in trees, whatever. I just saw it a couple weeks ago when I came across it by accident. Oh, I'm going to check that out immediately. It seems like uh, once they knew, I knew. Or, I mean, I, I was sitting there smoking pot. I, it, I, it knew I had, I had, a, I had a, a little lantern on in there. It was lit up. So it, it knew I was there. Why would it walk less than a foot away from me? You know, and my my mountain bike, it's one of those big, it's a big fat tire bike. It's a big giant 28-inch monster. It's not light. And when it tripped over the corner of my tent, it flipped that bike on top of me. Wow. You know, I, I, just, I, just feel, I just feel like it was on purpose. I don't... Yeah, it sounds like that to me, too. I, I, it, it didn't have to squeeze by you. It, you know, it, there was... Like, like as you're describing, all the way. exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it there it had plenty of room to get wherever it wanted to go. The fact that it was right next to your tent was intentional. I want to mention something right now. When we've spoken about the hive mind that you mentioned, if I can kind of summarize it, you encountered a Sasquatch in Oklahoma, and then you encountered uh, Sasquatches in Oregon years later. Three and, of them in Oregon. Right, and that kind of leads you to believe or feel or suspect that they they might have a collective consciousness of sorts. And the fact that this one individual checked you out in Oklahoma and he vetted you, he realized you're cool. So the, the uh, Sasquatches in Oregon, they had access to this collective uncon or this collective consciousness of sorts. And, and they were privy to this information that you're cool and that you're not going to do them any harm. So they took an interest in you and they interacted with you. Does that sound somewhat reasonable? Am I summarizing that correctly? I don't know, I don't know, if, the, I don't know if there's any vetting, vetting going on. Uh, but I, I, I believe that they truly know your nature. They know, 
this is one of the things that I believe that they're interdimensional because they seem to know what you're going to do before you do it. Mm-hmm. Because you can't seem to catch them. You can't seem to take pictures. They can spot the infrared, yes, you they know, can. on cameras. And, but, you know, M.K. Davis, do you know who M.K. Davis is? I do, yeah. He's from Mississippi. Okay. Have you, have you seen any of his stuff? I have. He, he, puts his camera, he puts his camera facing in a mirror. I think I know the one and you're referring to. You know, they, they, there's the junk man where, where he's crawling on all fours and goes to an upright position and runs. And then there's another one where there's two of them fighting out in a field, a white one and a dark one. But apparently that's what he does. He uses mirrors. But they, they just seem to know your intentions and your nature, what's inside your heart. When you have mentioned the hive mind, it reminds me of something I read years ago about a team of scientists who went to a remote Japanese island and they introduced a behavior to the monkeys who lived on this island that had never been seen in this particular species of monkey before. They taught these monkeys how to wash roots, the roots that they were eating, in the water. And uh, this was completely new to these monkeys. They'd never done it before. And so the Jap- these, these, uh, these scientists went to a different remote, very remote, Japanese island uh, with, a, with a different population of monkeys of the same species. And these two islands, these monkeys on these two islands, of course, had never had any contact with one another. But when the scientists arrived at this second island, they saw that the, the monkeys on this other island had also begun washing oh. their roots in the water. So this, yeah, it's very interesting. It, they introduced the behavior to one group of these monkeys and then a completely isolated group elsewhere had, had picked up on the same behavior. And we know that humans, for example, uh, we, the bow and arrow, the bow and arrow technology sprang up all over the world at roughly the same time. It, it seems like they are, it very much is a, a group consciousness that we can all tap into. And I wonder if, if you've, you've kind of stumbled upon a, a truth there about the Sasquatch. I wonder if they are privy to a collective consciousness that they can all tap into Maybe this is why certain individuals encounter them more, because they do know that this individual is an okay individual to interact with. Well, my my gut, call it my third eye, my intuition, it's never wrong. You know, the, the third eye thing, it's never been wrong. I, I caught a wife cheating on me just by looking to the left, at, and I found out, and I just knew. It just popped in my brain, and I knew. And I followed my nose, and sure enough. Um, it, it's never been wrong, and something my gut tells me that, that that this is true. And you know, and here's another thing: maybe they they can't do that. I painted that Sasquatch head on that rock, and I left it sit there for a couple months. Maybe that's what did it. Who knows? Who knows? Right. You know, I mean, I keep an open mind. So that rock had been there for a couple of months before they. Not a couple of weeks. Or couple a couple weeks. Couple weeks. Okay. And then after that, uh, everything kind of amped up a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was nothing. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, my first week there, I'm sitting there, I think, painting or doing whatever I was doing. And uh, a really nasty smell came down the mountain or from behind me. It, wasn't, it, was, a, a higher, it was higher than I was sitting. And I, 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 I turned around and I stood up and looked. And, of course, I didn't see anything. And the wind was carrying it. I don't know from how far. But... Uh, it was a pretty foul smell. 
It wasn't a smell. It wasn't a smell that natural to a forest. Hmm. But you know, and who again? Who knows what that was? Maybe I, I don't know. It didn't smell like a gut pile or carrion. It was just like really, like a really nasty unwashed person. Gross. There are a couple of things I want to uh, get into about what you've said. Now, you you mentioned the thing about the very obvious poor bird mimic mimicry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, off mic, I had told you about. It just makes me laugh, you know, because logical mind says the older ones. I mean, I mean, who knows how long they live? The older ones probably know how to how to mimic dead on. <laughs> These were done very, very badly. I mean, so I would hear it and I would laugh, you know. And and occurrences became so often like the wood knocks from. I'm sitting in my motorhome and uh, reading a book, and I hear wood knocks. I'm estimating 50, 60 feet away into the forest. It just got so. Oh, I remember when I forgot the the knocking on my windows. Ooh. Uh, but you know, by that time I was so used to everything that I didn't even bother to get up and go look. I knew what it was. So one night, you know, I got the generator going. I had the generator probably a hundred, hundred fifty feet away, and so I could I could watch movies and whatnot. And it's it's midnight, no moon, and again I was the only one on that mountain. If I'd have known if there was anybody else on that mountain. I would have left and gone someplace else because I don't want to. I want to be able to leave and not think somebody's going to come rob me. And there's nobody on that mountain, and I'm and the windows are open. It's hot summer, and I'm watching a movie, and I'm I'm facing the TV, and the back of the TV is facing the window, which is open. And there were two knocks. You know, keep in mind my window is six feet off the ground. It wasn't, <laughs> and it, it just and it sounded like a knuckle rapping on the window. Knock knock that was it you know i didn't even bother to get up i knew what it was <laughs> you know yeah I'd say hi <laughs> you know right i mean i mean dark out there my windows are tinted there was no moon there was nothing i was going to see had i have gotten up had i have gone to the door they would have been gone i i i think that they can uh pixelate you know what i'm talking about how they camouflage themselves like oh. uh whether it does on on predator yeah, um, yeah, and I've it, like they can cloak. You mean cloak? That's it. Right. There's a lot of people that report that. Now, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I know that when I heard bird call coming from close enough for me to see, should be able to see it, and I don't see anything. That makes me wonder. Well, and and a lot of times I would feel like that they were up in the trees because my motorhome was parked on a fire road and it went right down a, a canyon cliff. Right, so there were trees growing up it, and I always felt like I was being watched. Always trust your gut. Always trust your intuition. If you feel like you're being watched, because you are. It's just like if you feel like somebody's talking about you and you turn your back, it's because they are. You know, and I, 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 I always felt that I, they were in the trees looking in my windows. You know, we're, I think, I think we're like cheap entertainment for them. You know, they're. Oh, absolutely. They they seem to run in fear, but yet they'll creep up on. There's lots of lots of reports that they'll creep right up feet away from people. Well, in the tent, it happened to me. You know, when we were laying down sleeping, they'll creep up on you. But God forbid you see them. You know, 
it, it, and I, I think it's, I think that they're curious creatures by nature. Oh yeah, they're living by they're living vicariously through our windows. Sure. You know? And I had a movie going. I had a movie going. I got a good size screen TV. You know, for all I know, they're looking in my windows, watching TV with me. I don't care. I know they're there. It's like for your for your listeners, check out How to Hunt. And Scott Carpenter, he's a pretty straight up guy. Steve Isdall from How to Hunt, and uh, the the missing four one one guy, Dave Politis. Yeah, David those, those Politis. Those two guys are pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, I I know they know each other. So you're talking about look looking up How to Hunt on YouTube, correct? Yes, yes. All right. Same yeah. with same with missing four one one. Same with same with Scott Carpenter. And here's the thing: what what Steve Isdall does, he doesn't give a shit about footprints, videos, pictures, audio. He lives in British Columbia. He's seen them. His grandpa saw them. It's a they're very common, just like they're here in, in Southern Oregon. Uh, people, I, I, I know they're there. But what happens from that very first time in Oklahoma? It changes your life. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, you, you try you, you because it's just something so out of this world, and you're trying to wrap your brain around it, and you're trying to tell the people closest to you your friends and family and nobody believes you so that makes you more determined and, and it, it just engrosses you and some people some people have thrown their marriages and lives away and their financial empires away in the search for these things because it, it just it just it just grabs a hold of you you know and, I, and part of the learning process and you know you gotta always find the positive out of every negative and make make use of it so that shit can the negative and move forward. And uh, living on that mountain, I mean, it got so commonplace that when I when I heard the the bad mimicking of the birds, I would just laugh. I wouldn't bother to look anymore. When I heard the wood knocking, I didn't bother to look. Uh, the knock on the window at night when I was watching TV. Okay, well, it's I know they're there. I don't have to prove it to myself. You know, it got to where I, you know, I would follow my tracks on the trail in case I saw a print. Right. And I will say, my first day there, it had rained. And uh, I had got to the top of the mountain, and it looked like a partial child's barefoot print in the mud. Did you say of a child? Yeah. It was like a child's barefoot print, but it was only half of a print from the arch to the back of the heel. Right. Okay. And as I was bending down to look at it, that's one of the times old Hot Rod decided he wanted to go back home. Because mm. he he'd never been on a mountain before, so he was he wasn't too sure about it yet. So I I couldn't I couldn't wait. I had to. He wanted to go, and I was and so I had to go too. Right. So we would when we went for hikes. He, he would decide who was going to lead. Right. Right. <laughs> if I if he wanted to lead, he'd keep running in front of me, and I'd have to follow him. But there's some days that he didn't want to lead, so I would have to go. He, he's a pretty cool little hiking buddy. It sounds like it. You've spoken about the absurd bird calls, and I want to share something with you uh, just from earlier today. Now, off mic, you and I spoke about a very promising and known active Sasquatch hotspot in my area that, that I'm exploring and keeping a close eye on. I went up there today. I couldn't get all the way to the top because even at this time in May, there was still some snow blocking the road at the very top of where I was going. 
And so I, I stopped the car. I got out with my camera. I have a, a Nikon P1000 that has a an equivalent 3000 millimeter zoom. I, I got it for investigating Sasquatch. And uh, so I got out of the car. I was looking around in this breathtakingly beautiful area. And I wanted to make it known on a, on a non-physical level, non-verbal level, that I was a friend to the Sasquatch. So I just kind of internally opened myself up and said to the Sasquatch non-verbally that, that I was a friend and they could interact with me. The moment that I did this, I heard a, a very high-pitched kind of call. It sounded very bird-like, but it was very loud, and it was coming from nearby. And then it did another one. And then after it did that, one answered it from not far away. And then they, they kept doing this back and forth, but, but the sounds kept moving around. It was weird. Like the calls, the calls or the, the, the answers, the replies kept moving around the mountain. And uh, they wanted to see how you would react. Yeah, exactly. Now, there, there is the possibility that these actually were birds, but it was so strange. It stood out to me. It just didn't seem right. Like you said before about the dead silence, it was dead silent up there. There was, there was no sound whatsoever. And then after I kind of opened myself to interacting with the Sasquatch, I hear this call. And then this reply, and then these, the, it just keeps moving around the mountain like that. It seemed very intentional. There's a lot of documented encounters in that area, Dunsmere, Weed. Oh, in, yeah. Up, in a, up on Chassa. I oh. think they live in the lava, lava vents in the caves. They almost certainly do. Uh, now, I, I lost everything in the campfire in Paradise. Um, and after... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And after... I lost everything. I decided to move to Siskiyou County in very large part because of the phenomena that happen here, including uh, the, the enormous concentration of Sasquatch activity in this area. Sasquatch is very important to me. I, I moved here to research Sasquatch. Oh, my friend, uh, my friend that's the author uh, that belongs to that group I told you about. Right. And she asked, what would your last name was and name of your podcast? Yeah. She sent back a thumbs up. So I asked her, I said, is it okay to give him your number? And she's not on her, on her phone a lot. So she hasn't answered back yet, but I suspect uh, you're going to be having an interview with her. I would love that. She has a very, very interaction, interacting with them. A lot of the woo. Uh, uh, like I said, she's, she wrote a book. Yeah. They've been making themselves known to her since she was a young woman. Awesome. She's my age now, in her 50s. So I'm not making any promises, but it's it's looking like you're going to be able to talk to her. Great, I'm hoping. Yeah, and when you when you talk to her, let her know that I am not afraid of the woo on this show. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to speaking I, with her. That's that's all I got. You know, I swear in my life, every, every word is true. Yeah, you know? I can totally sense your sincerity on this. That's kind of perfect timing because we're at the end of the show anyway. I I just want to go over one thing really quickly. Uh, you and I are going to go visit this spot that you're talking about. We're going to spend some time yeah. there. Yeah. And well, there's two spots. The right. One that my, my friend, my friend that I was just talking about, yeah. the one that she's sending me to that she interacted with them. Yeah. And she's, she's taking me right to the spot. 
Excellent. You know, we've already discussed where that is. Yes, yes. And so there's there's two places. One place, the place where I'm family, and this other place that she's been to. So, yeah. Well, yeah, so we're going to divide our time between these two places. And for a long yeah. time, I have had this idea about a habituation technique. I want to run it by you really quickly. The, your experience makes me think that this idea of mine just might work. So uh, let, let's hear what you think of this. I have this idea of g- approaching the tree line where I think uh, I might have an, a, reason, a reasonable expectation of some Sasquatch activity. I approach the tree line. I wave. Oh, I could point it out. Yeah, great. <laughs> so I wave into the tree line. I'm just waving, you know, a nice friendly gesture, and I point to myself repeatedly, saying my name, Sam, Sam. And after I do this, I leave an actual photograph of myself at the site drinking a beer. And then I leave that same brand of beer with the same label with the cap off in front of the picture. And uh, so I'm basically giving a Sasquatch instruction on how to drink this beer. And, you know, people might think that's kind of silly, but... Uh, Interesting. Yeah, a, a lot of animals are actually known to ferment fruit for the purpose of creating alcohol. A lot of animals enjoy alcohol. Really? Yeah, elephants ferment fruit in their trunks for the purpose of creating alcohol. Chimpanzees, I believe, are, are known to do this. Yeah, primates definitely do this. So I have every reason to believe that a Sasquatch might enjoy an alcoholic beverage just, just to relax. And I think that this is a, a good way of opening up a conversation with Sasquatch. Uh, whether or yeah. not this technique actually leads to the to the results that I want, it, it kind of almost doesn't matter because it is a way of establishing a rapport. It is at least a way of taking a first step with them. Well, I left, one time I left a bottle or a can of uh, <clears throat> ravioli. It's got the, the, the ring that you can just pop off. Right. Nothing ever took it, so I, I, I didn't want to leave garbage, so I took it back home. Before I left, I left a half of a bottle uh, or half of a two liter bottle of Red Mountain Dew in a particular spot. So when we go back to this that place, I'm kind of curious to see if it's still going to be there or if it's gone. Ah, yeah, I'm curious to see that too. Holy shit, we got to get out there. You know that that also reminds me of of, of a guy's story who who said like a, a Sasquatch took a mug from him. Uh, at a certain spot, and then he'd return to the spot like a year or two later, and that mug was out in the middle of the road, like the, the Sasquatch had left it in the middle of the road w- when he got there. Yeah, the whole interdimensional, they can see t- they can see ahead. You know, who knows? Maybe they knew he was coming. That That is possible, but it's also possible that I'm kind of... I don't know how you explain footsteps in the snow, and they just stop and disappear. That is also true. Uh, but as for this guy's particular story, I, it might be the case that I've just forgotten a detail. Like maybe he had been there like for a couple days before they did this. I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not completely remembering the whole story. So don't quote me on that. But I know that the mug thing yeah. happened. So that's really cool. So all right, Kip, you and I um, have uh, come to the end of the show. You, we're going to go up to this place. Yeah. We're going to check it out. And I think when are you ready? I can't find anybody that's got the balls to go with me. Well, I've got the balls, my friend. I have the balls to go I've with been you. Wa- I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to share this place w- with my sister, with my ex girlfriend. I can't get anybody to go up there with me. Well, you found the, one the guy. guy. That will go up with everything. He's in Missouri. He's not here anymore. So right, right. <laughs> you're it. You're you're my Huckleberry, buddy. Sweet. I'll be your Huckleberry. 
<laughs> so after you and I check this out, what do you say we have another conversation and tell everybody uh, what, what came of it? How's that sound? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sweet. What kind of equipment do you have you know, about EVPs and stuff? I got a great story about a haunted house I live in where we got EVPs. I'm kind of curious about leaving uh, uh, microphones out, you know. There's no infrared light for them, you know. Who knows what you're going you're gonna to pick up. Right. Uh, I don't have any of that kind of equipment. I have a friend who has some of that. Uh, my, my equipment is kind of straightforward uh, recording equipment, audio, video, photography, that kind of stuff. Well, I'm just curious, you know, that whole thing that M.K. Davis does with the mirror. If a guy couldn't do something like that, you know, and just leave it up, that's I don't a, know. That's a really a good idea because that's indirect. And maybe, like, even maybe even if you're using infrared, maybe it would kind of diffuse it to the point where they don't notice it or something like that. There's a, on How to Hunt, there's this guy. He's a nuclear physicist. And he, uh, just, just like yesterday's story, or two days ago maybe, this guy and other nuclear physicists, have seen Sasquatch inside the perimeter. Nobody knows how they got in or got out, looking right up at the cameras and, and a lot of a lot of strange stuff. You and I could talk for hours. Yeah, yeah, we could. And, you know, we'll we'll break those hours up into individual shows and we'll we'll give people, you know, some insight into what we've found. Kip, sure. it, it's been a great conversation. Great hearing from you. Um, yeah, I had fun. I love talking about all things Sasquatch. Your encounter is exp- is incredible. Uh, you, you and I are going to go check this place out. I can't wait, and I can't wait to share what we find w- with our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wait to lay eyes on this place myself. So looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And to uh, to see the pictures of some of the things that Kip's talking about, look for Type 471 Podcast on Instagram. Kip, thank you so much for being on Type 471. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You bet, Sam. Take All care. Right. All right. Take care. Thanks. Follow Type 471 Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Look for Type 471 Podcast on Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and many other platforms. I'm Sam Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Type 471.